You're listening to the Freedom House Podcast. We're a house that will empower you in your walk with Christ to get free, live free, and set others free. This is our Sunday service series. For more information, go to FHUS.org. Enjoy. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Well, you know, the past few weeks, Pastor Robert has been talking about how to uh, maintain your freedom, how to live free. The mission of the church is what? To get free, to live free, and to set others free, right? So we are to get free, right? We got to have some freedom. Freely you receive, freely you give, but we got to be able to walk out that freedom, correct? You can't be a good witness if you're not walking out the freedom that you received. And then when you receive something, you need to give it to other people. Amen. So no matter what, where you're at in the spectrum, if you just went through freedom in Christ last like two weeks ago, or if it was three years ago, or if you just got saved yesterday, it doesn't matter because we are supposed to live free in our walk with Christ. Amen. So no matter where you are, we need to walk that What We need to live pure, blameless, and holy before the Lord God. Amen? That is our mission, right, as Christians, to live pure, spotless, and blameless before the Lord. That's a no-brainer, right? We were set free from the sin. Jesus paid the price so that we would not be entangled and snared again with the sin or the bondage. So we are to sin no more, as Jesus said, right? He said, go and sin no more right, after he forgave their sins. So we are to live and walk out in purity. So that's the no-brainer. But, but we also need to know how to live free and prevent from being trapped again. Amen? Because I don't know about you, uh, but I realize that I've never arrived, right? You will never arrive, right? We are always in a process. We are always going faith to faith and glory to glory, right? We're, we're never, we never arrive until we meet Jesus, Right? and we become like him, right? It says we will see him as he is, and then we will become like him, right? So we're, we don't arrive until the day that Jesus comes back, and we meet him in the air, right? So we're still in a process. And so <laughs> the enemy is always wanting to trip us up, right? That's his job. That's what he's here for. He seeks to kill, steal, and destroy. He's the deceiver. He's the father of lies. So he wants to trip us up. So He's always looking a way to trap us. He's always wanting to lead us astray or deceive us. But what do we need to do? We need to be wise as a serpent, right? We're not to be stupid or ignorant. No offense if, I, if that offends you, I say stupid. But don't, we don't need to be ignorant, right? Right? We're not to be ignorant. We need to be wise as a serpent. What does that mean? It means we have to know how the enemy operates, we have to know his schemes. He, we have to re- remember how did he trip us up in the first place that we actually needed freedom, right? What, it, what did he do? What was his mode to trap us, right? We have to know the wiles of the enemy, the schemes or the plans of the enemy. How does he operate in your life? Because how he affects me is going to be different than how he affects you. What he, what he uses to trap me is going to be different from what he uses to trap you. And you're like, well, what? we're saved. We should be, you know... You know, we got Teflon. Nothing sticks to us, right? Well, that would be nice. I, I would love that. But why would he be here on this earth, and why would he try to do anything if it didn't have an effect on our lives, right? What is it? He is a deceiver. So what does that mean? He wants us to believe lies so that we cannot walk out our Christian life effectively. That's part of living free, right? We want to be effective for the kingdom, right? Living free means I'm not going to get trapped. I'm not going to get tricked anymore. I know his plans, Right? And when you stop his plans, then guess what? Pretty soon he stops, right? <laughs> if we don't give in to it, he stops, right? If we, if we thwart his, his plans. So we have to know how has he tripped us up in the past so we can be aware of all that he's doing, amen? And that is part of living free. Okay, you know, I know Pastor Robert was talking about all the, the steps, and I, I'm going to just do a little supplement to that, right? Because this is a major component of our life and how we can stay free and how we can live a victorious life. Amen. So I want to read Matthew chapter 12, verse 43 and 45. And this is the text or the context of the text of scripture that Pastor Robert was using when he's talking about staying free and, and maintaining your freedom. It says, when an impure spirit comes out of a person, it goes through places seeking rest and does not find it. Then it says, I will return to the house I left. And when it arrives, it finds the house, what? 
occupied, swept clean, and put in order. Then it goes and it takes with it seven other spirits more wicked than itself. And they go in there and they live there. And the final condition is of that person is worse than the first. That is how it will be with this wicked generation. Okay, so what are we looking at? Let's unpack this a little bit. What I want to tell you is whenever you get free, whenever you get victory, whenever you're moving forward and you get some success or some breakthrough, we sang about breakthrough this morning. Breakthrough, I got my breakthrough, right? I love songs about breakthrough. I love it. I love declaring those things. But you get a breakthrough and guess what? The enemy's right there to smack you back down. It's called a backlash. It's normal. It's his plan. He's like, well, yeah, you think you got free, right? But I'm going to hit you with something else, right? You get free from rejection, and then all of a sudden somebody rejects you, right? That is how it works, right? He will use a person in your life after you get free from something to bring that right back to you. And it's what are you going to do with that, okay? What are you going to do? We just, you, but you have to be aware that's how he operates, it's normal. If you have a certain propensity for a certain type of issue in your life, he guess what? He's going to bring whatever he can and whomever he can to solidify that in your life, right? That is his, his plan, right? He wants, yes, we, but he, he thinks he's sneaky, but it's all the same old trick, right? We just have to be aware, right? We're not to be ignorant, right? I mean, Paul talks about all these things in every single book that he's written, right? He always is talking about our warfare. He's always talking our spiritual battle. He's always talking about the weapons of our warfare. He's always talking about that. So we have to like, okay, why would he do that? Because he knows there's a real enemy, right? And it, to live in ignorance, like, oh, well, I'm saved, so everything's great, you know, you're deceived yourself. Those are the type of people that start listening to and following the way of the world and deceive themselves thinking that they're saved, Right? What does the Bible say about deception? In the end times, even the elect will be deceived. We're talking about those people that you admire, that you're like, wow, they're like Jesus Jr. They're so spiritual. They're so amazing. I love, the, I love listening to them preach. I love it. I, I don't know how many ministers that I was like, wow, this guy, you know, I love that. Yeah, he's so strong and he's fiery and he's full of faith and he, oh, all this stuff. And next thing you know, they're believing some crazy doctrine. How does that happen? I don't know right? All I know is that's the plan of the enemy. So we have to be aware of his plans. Amen. So we have to know that. What does it say? It says when the spirit arrives, he, so he's returning to the house that he left. We're the house, right? When it arrives, it finds the house unoccupied, swept and put in order. All right. And we know that being swept clean, being cleansed, right? Set free. We, we kicked out the squatters. We kicked out the enemy, right? And we got everything in order. We're good. But what did it say? It was unoccupied. Because Jesus needs to be occupied in our house. He needs to be occupying our house. He needs to be Lord of our life. Amen? So we have to have him living there because then the enemy, when he comes back and he sees, guess who answers the door? The enemy comes back with the seven others, and he comes to the house to open, and guess who answers the door? Jesus. And they're like, all right, I'm out of here. So we have to have Jesus to be Lord over every area of our life. So remember, whenever you are helping to advance the kingdom, you will be a target for the enemy, right? The key is to know his plans and his schemes. Right? We're not to be unaware. We're supposed to be shrewd, like a serpent, like gentle as a dove. What does that mean to you? I mean, what does that mean? It means I look innocent, but I'm, I know what you're doing, and I'm not putting up with it. Right? To be aware. So Jesus needs to be Lord of every area of your life because the enemy will try to come back and occupy where you've evicted him from. Right? I mean, let's look at this. So Jesus is to be made Lord of every area. Hebrews 3.1. This is what we've been studying with Pastor Robert. It says in the Message Bible, it says, So my dear Christian friends, companions in following this call to the heights, take a good, hard look at Jesus. He is the centerpiece of everything we believe. 
We fix our eyes on him, and he is what? The centerpiece of what? Of everything we believe. It's not just he's the centerpiece. Oh, you're center. I'm going to look at you. You're in the center of my foyer. So the centerpiece, right? I understand that. Like, but what is he the centerpiece of? My belief system. Jesus, to make Jesus Lord of every area of your life, he has to be the centerpiece of everything you believe. Not what other people believe, not what the world believes, not what the media says, not what all these people talking says, but Jesus himself, the word made flesh, needs to be the centerpiece of everything you believe in, everything you put your trust in, everything you put your heart towards. He is a centerpiece of what you believe. That is where you have a firm foundation. That's where you're not going to be swayed by every wind of doctrine. Because I'm rooted and grounded and founded in him. He is my chief cornerstone. I believe what he says. I believe in his word. And everything in my life is going to revolve around what I believe about Jesus. He is a centerpiece. Not what I think I believe, but what he says he is. Amen? So we have to fix our eyes upon him. I'm going to read it in another translation. In the NIV, it says, Therefore, holy brothers and sisters who share in this heavenly calling... Fix your thoughts on Jesus, whom we, have, we acknowledge as our apostle and high priest. It says, what does it say? Fix your thoughts on Jesus. If we're to make him Lord over every area, right? That's what we're talking about, making him Lord over every area. My question is, is he Lord over your thought life? Or do your thoughts go everywhere? Are you thinking about all sorts of things? Are you thinking about what people are saying? Are you thinking about what somebody called you, the names they called you, or how they made you feel? Where are your thoughts going? Is Jesus Lord over your thought life? Because that is key. If he is not Lord over your thought life, you will believe every lie the enemy throws at you. You will believe every false doctrine. You'll believe every bit of media that comes over the screen, right? We have to have Jesus as the centerpiece of our belief system. We have to have Jesus, the Lord, over our thought life. So is he Lord of your thought life, or do you allow the enemy to rule your mind and your thoughts? Are you ignoring issues? Right? The issues that come up and just powering through. I mean, we're like, we're faith. Yeah, I believe God's word, and yeah, I'm strong in Jesus. I'm a victor. You know, we can champion all that stuff, but when things come up, are we dealing with those issues, or are we just kind of pushing through because I don't have time to deal with it? Right? I'm, I'm, I'm guilty, too. It's like, okay, you know, I don't have time for this. I got to just move forward, and we're just going to make, we're going to gird it up, right? That's what they used to say in Bible college all the time, gird it up, you know, toughen up buttercup. I agree, yes, you have to do that, but you still have to go and deal with the issue. All right, so are you dealing with the issues or powering through? Are you casting your cares upon him or are we sweeping it under the rug? I'm worried about this. I'm fearful about this. I have this going on. I have this. This is causing me to think about it. I'm stressed about this. And so, but I just, I can't, uh, uh, I'm just holding on to him, but I, I'm just going to ignore it for now. So lift up the rug and sweep it under. Right? So are you dealing with, are you casting your cares? You know, There can be times where I'm like, oh, man, I just need to fix this. I need things to be different. I need to change, and I just want to make it different. And, and, you know, but I'm not, that, doing that, does not ca- that's not casting my cares. Casting my cares is saying, okay, God, here's the altar. I'm putting this down. I can't fix it. I can't make it better, but you can. So I'm trusting you to take care of this situation. Right? I can't make it better. I can't fix the problem because everything I've done isn't working. So, Lord, it's your responsibility. I give this to you. So you need to do something about it. That's casting your so You've got to do it, Lord. You better do it. you said. What is that? That's casting my cares. Okay, God, take it. Right? What is it? Throwing, that's what it means, right? Throw, I'm casting. Okay, God, there I go. I'm not, my hands are off. I release my control, right? But what do we do? We don't cast, we just kind of mull about it. Oh, and every time it happens, you're like, oh gosh, it's doing it again and doing this again. And we get frustrated, 
Why hasn't it changed? Why hasn't it changed? Why hasn't things changed? Because you never cast it. You never gave him the authority to take control over it. So God, I cast it onto you, right? I trust you. And we fix our mind upon the truth. Jesus, we know, what does it say? We fix our thoughts on Jesus, whom we acknowledge as our apostle and high priest. What is he a high priest of? Of our confession. So what are we confessing? What are we speaking out? What thoughts or beliefs are you coming into agreement with? Are they God's thoughts or are they ungodly thoughts? Do they line up with the word or are they just some random things? Right? What is coming? Because I can tell you, whatever you're thinking about, whatever is in your heart, you will confess it out. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks, the Bible says. So you will speak those things out. So what are you confessing about God? Sometimes we just need to confess things until we start believing it. <laughs> right? right? We just need to keep confessing the word of God. We need to speak, speak life and speak truth until we actually believe it. Amen? But are we, are we coming at what thoughts or belief systems are we coming into agreement with that will eventually become our confession of our faith? Right? And I'm not talking about God, you know, it could be good or bad. Just because we say confession of your faith, the faith doesn't mean it's a God faith. It means it, it's any faith. What is your faith? Is it centered on Jesus as your belief system? Amen. So I want to look at this, 2 Corinthians 10, 4 through 6. This is the key to all of this. It says, the weapon we fight with are not weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to what? Demolish strongholds. We demolish strongholds and every pretension that sets itself against what? The knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought and make it obedient to Christ. And we will be ready, so you got to be ready, ready to punish every act of disobedience once your obedience is complete. Amen? So we have a weapon of our warfare, not like the world. world. It has to do with what are we speaking, what are we confessing, what are we believing? What thoughts or beliefs are you coming in agreement with? You have to break agreement with any ungodly thoughts. We have to break agreement with ungodly belief systems. Anything that exalts itself against the truth of God's word. Anything that is contrary to what the word says about you. Anything that's contrary to what God is speaking. What does his word say in this situation? What are you believing? Are you believing his word or are you believing what everyone's saying about the situation? Are you believing about your thoughts in this situation? We have to break agreement with things that are ungodly. This is how he traps us, right? He gets you to believe something that goes against God. He's a deceiver, right? He wants you to believe lies. He's the father of lies. So why do you keep listening to him, right? And the Bible says in Romans, it says, faith cometh by hearing, right? And hearing the word of God. So, but faith cometh by hearing, Hearing what? What are you hearing? So what, if you are listening to lies, you will come in agreement with. You will build your faith towards that. If you're listening to lies, listening to falsehoods, listening to these things, you will actually build your faith for those lies, right? You will come into agreement with. And guess what? Once you come into agreement with the lies, guess what it becomes? A stronghold, right? But what are we supposed to do with strongholds? Demolish. I love that word. Demolish. Demolish. I mean, when you, you, when you think tear down, you just kind of think, okay, I'm just kind of tearing it down. When you think demolish, I think of like bombs, you know? Like utter destruction. I mean, like the bricks are now like powder, you know? Right? We just tore up the floors with the tile and they're, they're like grinding and, and they're turning that stuff into powder. We're demolishing it, right? And what do we demolish it with? With the truth, right? Because what does it say? Take every thought and make it obedient to Christ, to his word. Jesus is a word. And what is it? We will be ready to punish 
acts of disobedience. So what does that mean? When something comes into your mind or into your life or into your thoughts, whatever you want to say, if something comes there that's contrary to the word of God, you are ready to punish. No, right? You're ready to punish anything that disobeys what God is saying. Okay, we can't be passive, right? We're in a war, right? <laughs> we, we don't need weapons. The weapons we fight with are not like the world's. They're spiritual, they're powerful, and tearing down strongholds, right? So it, we don't need weapons if we're not in a war. Why would God give us, I mean, he writes a whole, you know, Ephesians chapter 6, you know, why would he write that? Why would he inspire Paul to write all that if we're not in a battle? That doesn't make any sense. Well, you know, we're saved, so everything's okay. No, we're still in a battle. You might be ineffective in the battle, and you're hiding in the bunker, right? But I, I don't know about you. When Jesus comes back, I want him to say, well done, good and faithful servant, right? I want him to know that I was not afraid of the enemy, Right? Amen. You guys are getting a lot of free stuff in first service. Just saying, let me tell you. <laughs> so we have to make Jesus Lord of every area of our life, of our thought life. So I want to talk about what a stronghold is. So a stronghold is a place that has been fortified, right? We know fortified, fortification, right? Fortified as to do what? Protect it against attack. Okay. It's a place that's been fortified to protect against attack. When you come in agreement with an ungodly belief system, the enemy begins building the stronghold in your mind. And then what will end up happening if you don't do anything about it? You will actually end up defending it. That belief system that doesn't line up with God, right? Because what is this? A stronghold is a place that has been fortified as so to protect against attack a place where a particular cause or belief is strongly, not weakly, strongly defended or upheld. So whatever you come into agreement with, when you create a belief system in your mind, you will end up strongly defending it to uphold it. No matter if it's right or wrong. We see that all the time. How many times do you see people, and you're, I mean, I'm watching it, and you see somebody that's a good arguer, you know, like, can like, almost like a lawyer, they can break it down, and they're like, break down, well, well, what about this? What about this? What about this? And they clearly dismantle their whole argument, right? You, it's obvious that this person's belief is wrong. But yet the person gets angry and mad and throws a fit and gets violent about it. Like, no, because this is what's right. You know, and they turn into this crazy person. I mean, I see it on the, on the media all the time. Like, you see these people and they're like, they're unhinged. Why? Why are they so unhinged? Because it's affecting their belief system. I don't want to believe anything else. That's how the world is. They don't want, I don't want to believe in anything else. Wow, geez, and it's obvious that they were wrong, but they, they just, they, want, they don't even, can't even comprehend it. There's, there's so much stronghold, they have so many castles in their mind that it's like almost impossible to get through, right? That's why you need a miracle, boom. <laughs> and then we can deal with their strongholds. But it's a place where you will be coming, you will defend it. So we have to be aware, okay, well, what am I believing that doesn't line up with God? We have to be humble enough to say, God, show me where I'm off. Show me if what I'm believing this doesn't line up with your word. And be humble and ready to, to acknowledge that so that you can break it down. Because guess what? He's given us a weapon that's our, a weapon of our warfare that's mighty in God in pulling down strongholds and tearing down, demolishing strongholds. So it doesn't matter how big the stronghold is, we have the weapon, which is the word of God, that can, can tear it down. Amen? Hallelujah. So what do we do? We have to take every thought captive, captive to the knowledge of Christ, to demolish those strongholds. Now I want to talk a little bit about strongholds because we use strongholds all the time. We don't, like when I'm talking about this and we're talking about, okay, like what is a stronghold? If you go into a nation to take over a nation, right? You want to take the city, right? So in, in battle and war, you want to go in and you want to take that city. And what is the first thing you do? You're going to fortify a stronghold, a protection, so that the person that it's their, it's their nation, but what it, we're going to protect so they can't infiltrate our stronghold. So we're safe there. We can fight from there, right, to protect us from attack. So we kind of think about that and we're like, okay, yeah, but what does that have to do with me because I'm not, you know, in the military and, you know, you are, you just don't know it. Uh, 
But what does that have to do with my mind? Like, so we kind of imagine in our mind, like these, you know, these castles or strongholds, fortifications in our mind, and we can kind of see it like spiritually what it is. But do you realize that you actually have strongholds in your brain that you can see, right? You can, they can scan your brain, MRI, and they can see the strongholds in your brain. Do you know that? Right? It's called a, a neural pathway. Okay? We have them all the time. We have so many. I don't even know how many. 300 billion thoughts. and it's, I, I'd have to study it, but it's like 300 billion or something like that. Neurons or something. It's crazy. So we have... Our brain actually has strongholds. And I can prove this to you because how many of you know how to tie your shoes? I hope everybody that has shoelaces knows how to tie their shoes. Do you have to think about tying your shoes? Do you have to concentrate and really focus on how to tie it and make the bunny ear and wrap it around, right, and think about it? No one does. If, if you're five and you're learning, yes, you will, right? Until you get it down, then you don't have to think about it anymore. Why is that? Because you actually have a stronghold in your mind, a neural pathway in your brain, that as soon as you go to tie your shoe, your brain sends signals and you just do it. You don't have to think about it. You don't have to consciously think about it. it your brain just does it for you. Why, why do you get, where do they get the uh, term? It's just like riding a bike, Who's heard that term? Just like riding the bike. What does that mean? It means you could not ride the bike for like 10 years and get on. And it might, you might be a little rusty at first, but you'll just get on. and You're not going to fall over, right? You'll get it, right? Why? Because it'll go back and it will recalibrate, realign, and re-fire uh, up that neural pathway, right? So we actually have a road system in our brain. And you actually can see those. You know, they're like little, our thought processes, everything, every belief system that we have is actually a neural pathway in our brain, right? That's why he calls it strongholds, because you actually have a neural pathway of the way you always think, your MO, if you will, your mode of operandus, right? Every time you always, when something happens, you always go to the same reaction. And the enemy just has to bring that thing, and you'll just react the same way. He knows, and he'll just bring it right? Because you'll just do it, <laughs> you know, right? Why? Because you have a neural pathway. But guess what? We have a weapon that is greater that can break down that stronghold. Amen? And you know, it's actually proven in science. It's actually the brain, they have a thing called neuroplasticity. What does that mean? It means your brain is plastic. It moves. It means you can change your brain. Like you can actually, you will see a change in the structures in your brain depending on if you cut off a certain stronghold, a certain way of thinking. That thing will actually die in your brain and you start to build a new one and they can actually see it forming. That's amazing. And God is so awesome because he just talks about castles and strongholds so we can understand it because we don't understand the science. I like science. It, it, it especially brought the brain. It just really, it, like, kind of fires me up by like learning about how we think and stuff. So I think I should have been a neuroscientist. I don't know. But um, too much school. <laughs> I don't like school that much. So, but it's so amazing because he actually gave us a way to change our thought process. He gave us a tool to demolish the stronghold and to build a new one, right? So neuroplasticity, it enables us to change our habits that you thought were ingrained. It's like a highway, right? So if you, if you have a dirt field, grassy, let's say it's a grassy field, and you start to take your ATV through that field, right? And you're just going, and you start going back and forth every day. You're taking the same path every day, every day, every day. Pretty soon, that is not going to look like a field in that spot. It's going to look like a road, right? That's like a neural pathway. That's like a stronghold. It's like, it's a pathway that it, you can, you can see it. You can see that it's there. But guess what? If you stop allowing traffic on that pathway, eventually all the way, especially you get rains like we had when we had all the flooding, like, that, like last summer, the grass out there was dead. Lord, we need Jesus in our lawn. And um, it was dead. And now like, it's like totally full of greenery, right? You wouldn't even know that there was no, no greenery there right? I'm not going to say grass because that would be, you know, lying. But <laughs> <laughs> praise the Lord. So 
But what? It was, you wouldn't know that it was there. It's just the same thing. Once the rain starts coming, I mean, you're, gonna, you're not going to know that that pathway was there. So you can actually starve out that pathway. And what I want you to know is when I was researching a little bit more on this, refreshing my brain on, on neural pathways, that it, they made a statement. Every thought is a neural pathway. As soon as you think it, it becomes a pathway in your brain. <laughs> okay, I'll say it again. As soon, <laughs> as soon as you think it, right? As soon as that thought comes to you, it becomes a neural pathway. That means if somebody speaks something to you, says something to you, you actually are taking that thought and it's entering in and creating a pathway of a belief system in your mind, right? So things that people say to you, things that people, how they respond to you, what they, you know, they curse you or whatever they say, the lies that are spoken even through people will actually, if we don't deal with them, they will actually form as soon as you get it, a neural pathway, right? Because you don't just hear what they say, you think about what they just said. And some people have a harder time letting go than others, and they really mull and think about it, and they meditate on what someone else said. And then it really gets a stronghold in there, right? So we have to take the, even those thoughts that come from what people say or what people said in the past, right? Because that's how the enemy traps us. He knows what your past was. He knows where your, your family member or whatever spoke over you or your teacher. I'll give you an example. I remember when I was in, I'm trying to remember what grade it was, second grade or third grade, I actually was told that girls, because of the way their brains are, they just aren't good at math. So they, I know all you Gen Zs are like, what? That's so racist or sexist, you know? <laughs> and this was a woman. It wasn't a man teacher. It was a lady teacher. But she's like, you know what? You're, because you're a girl, you're just not good at math. And so I believed that. So I didn't try. And guess what? I got Ds in math. Until one day they had me take a test, and I didn't really care about it. I, just, uh, I was in sixth grade, took some te math test, and I passed. Like, I, did, I guess I did well. It wasn't like a pass or fail. It was just to see what you knew before you go to seventh grade, right, into middle school. And so I took this test, and I'm like, oh, yeah, so you're skipping two levels of math and going into this higher level of math. And then I, ever since then, I got A's in math. Well, how is that? Why? Because I believed that I couldn't do math, and once I took that test... Even though I didn't realize, I, I mean, I never done, some of the math problems I remember, I mean, this is like I was 12, so this is a long time ago. But I remember sitting there doing the math test, like, I don't really never seen this before, but I just kind of figured it out. It just kind of made sense to me. But all the rest of the time, from third grade all the way to sixth grade, I got D's in math, C's and D's. Because I believed a lie that I can't, oh, I just can't do math, so I'm why can't, you know, why try? Right? Granted, I should have kept taking math because my senior year I was like, eh, I don't want to do, I don't want to do calculus. So, <laughs> but the point is, is see how, it, how powerful that can be. Even something someone says that they may even, they, I'm sure she didn't even realize the impact it would have had on me. Because what enforced it, the next, probably the next test I took, I got a D on. So then I'm like, yep, see, I can't do math. Because the enemy will do that. He'll reinforce something that somebody says that you start to believe and reinforce that strong, to make that stronghold. Amen? So what am I saying? You must take every thought captive and bring it to the correct thought or belief system. That is how we stay free, right? Because the enemy knows how to trap us. And if we get to the back into that same bondage of thinking, guess what? You're ensnared again. And I'm not talking about sin. That's but this, it can work through sin too. If you have a certain sin area that you struggled with and you got free, then guess what? The enemy is going to bring thoughts of those things. And then you're like, oh, I guess I didn't get free. And believe a lie. And now you have this belief system. Well, yeah, see, I, see, I guess it didn't work. But what did you do about it? You just came into an agreement with it. Right? If you come into an agreement with a lie, it will become a stronghold in your mind. And it will form your belief system. So Matthew 4, 1 through 11, we're going to talk about Jesus, but I want to go into this. You cannot fight a thought with a thought, okay? And we remember, every thought is a neural pathway. So you can't fight a thought with just another thought, just thinking. It doesn't work, okay? That, it just, 
it, it, you cannot, you, basically what that is doing is just sweeping that thought under the rug and keeping it there. So, that, so every time that thought comes, a neural pathway is formed. And then if you don't bring something else to, to starve it and then bring the, the truth, then you will just, it will just keep growing. Because guess what? That thought will come back again. It'll rise up again. And then you don't do anything and it builds up. It's just like that road that you're, you're driving on, that dirt, and that becomes a road, right? Because that thought comes, you don't do anything, then guess another thought comes, then someone says that same thing about you. Or something happens where you kind of fall into that same process or that same reaction that you always have, your MO, and then it reinforces it until it becomes a stronghold again. And now you're in bondage again, right? So you can't fight a thought with thought. One thing I always love to do to show this is that, uh, and how, to show why you need to open your mouth. So what am I saying when you can't fight a thought with a thought? It means that you need to open your mouth and speak out, right? He's the high priest of our confession. That means, confession means you're speaking something out loud. You need to, your ears need to hear it. Because faith cometh by hearing the word. So what word are you speaking out? So if you're not speaking out anything, then you're just coming into agreement. You know, there's a saying that says, if whatever you don't say no to, you're actually agreeing with. Right? So if you don't, if somebody's doing something uh, to you or wants you to do something, like, okay, they, they're trying, like, we got peer pressure or whatever, or world pressures, and they want you to act a certain way or do a certain thing, and you just kind of stay quiet, you're actually consenting. You're coming into agreement with it. You have to say, the most powerful thing in the world for you to say is no. The hardest thing to learn to say is no. Right? So you have to learn to say no. Right? The other one is thank you. But the, we're, we're not talking about that right now. But the, but the main par- powerful thing that you need to learn is to say no. Right? Because if you don't say no to something, you're actually agreeing to it. Because it will sway, it will just pull you away. Right? So to show that you, ha- uh, you have to open up your mouth and how when you open up your mouth, it actually stops a thought. What I would do with my uh, interns is I would have them count to 10 quietly in their head, right? And then at a certain time, after they got to like, maybe they got to four, I would say, okay, I would tell them, when I say go, you sing happy birthday out loud. Okay, so they would be in their head starting to count, and they'd say, now, and they'd start to sing happy birthday out loud, and I, then I, when they were done, I said, so how far did you get, to, did you finish counting to 10? I'm like, oh no, I totally forgot about that, because the thought got stopped. So when you actually open your mouth, it actually stops it, it cuts the thought off so that it doesn't stay, and then what do you do? You bring in the right thing, and you speak it out. Okay, so you're not just speaking, you're not just going to be singing happy birthday when you get a wrong thought, okay? It's not, that's not the point. The point was to show you that when you actually open your mouth, it silences the enemy. When you actually open the mouth, it silences the crazy in your head, right? When you open your mouth and speak, but you're going to open your mouth not just to go, ah, you know, you're going to open your mouth and you're going to say something. You're going to speak the word of God, Amen. So I had this happen uh, a few times, um, and actually there was, uh, there was several times. There was a one time uh, when I first moved to Santa Cruz. God called me to Santa Cruz, told me to come here. I didn't know anybody here. It was like, you know, okay, God, don't have a job, don't know anybody, all right, and in faith I came. And so I remember one night I was driving down Ocean Street, and as I'm driving, and I just got, you know, and had an encounter with God like that year or the year before or whatever, something like that. Like it was very fresh. And I was driving down Ocean Street, and as soon as I was just driving there, minding my own business, and all of a sudden, it was like a movie flashing plane, like a trailer. You know, it was like, and I could see every single thing that I did wrong, every shortcoming, every mistake, every sin, just flashing before my eyes. And as soon as I saw that, it was like something rose up inside of me and said, no, my sins have been removed as far as the east is to the west. Now, somebody sitting in the car next to me might have said, why is that lady shouting in her car? But you know what? I don't care. And I had no one talking. No one told me to do that. No one told me to do that. I was not trained. I don't even think I had gone through freedom in Christ yet. I didn't even know that. I I didn't think Christians could have devils. Right? 
I didn't think Christians needed to get free. I didn't know any of that. I just, I just got saved, and I'm, I'm obeying God. He told me to come to Santa Cruz, right? But something rose inside of me because I grew up in church. The, my parents would tell me, you know, Jesus forgives your sins, and he removes them as far as, the, you know, I'd heard that. So when I heard the lies and I saw my sins before me, I rose up and said, no. Sometimes we need to open our mouth and say no to the enemy. We need to say no to the thoughts that are coming. We need to say no to the belief system because as soon as that thought comes and we don't say no, we're agreeing with it. And then the enemy says, yes, I'm building a stronghold in her mind. And now she's ineffective. She's going to be trapped. You know, I was afraid to speak in front of people. I was afraid of what people thought. I was, had the fear of man so strong in me. Like, I was so afraid. Like, I would literally in sixth grade, sixth grade again, literally in sixth grade, I remember social studies, because I don't like history anyway. That's why I have Pastor Robert, because he loves it. He can, he can just tell me all the good stuff so I don't have to read. <laughs> so I'm like literally have the, my big book they were, those history books were kind of big and I would hold it up like this and I'd sink down in my chair so they would never call on me because I did not want to even if I knew the answer I did not want to answer in front of people because I was afraid that I'd mess up or make a mistake I was so afraid of making a mistake all the time I, I ne wouldn't sing in front of people I, I had this belief system of fear that people are going to reject me if I say something that what I say doesn't matter. So I believe those things. But guess what? <laughs> I'm not afraid. Anymore. I got to a place where like, I don't know. I, and do you know what happened? What happened is I read the word of God. And what does it say? The fear of man brings a snare. The fear of man is a trap. If, why fear man, but, but fear God who can send you, your, your, you into hell? Well, I, when I read that, I'm sure I'm butchering the, the translation, but when I read that, it jumped out. That's one of the things I got free from, my freedom in Christ experience, right, is a spirit of fear. I had a major spirit of fear and intimidation, like so afraid of what people thought, and I think part of it was gifting, because I, I could hear what they're thinking, you know, because I would have that prophetic gifting, so I, know what I knew their thoughts, I knew what they were thinking about me, and then I started believing them, right? So I had this major fear, but when I read the word that if I'm afraid of what man thinks, I'm in a trap? And why be afraid of what they think when you should be afraid of what God thinks? And that rose up inside of me where I'm like, you know what? I, I, I made a choice. It was, as soon as I made that choice, I'm not going to live in fear, right? I'm not going to believe that lie. It changed me. You have to have the word of God in you, right? If I didn't have the word of God in me, I wouldn't be, I, it wouldn't rise up out of me when I see the lies, Right? You have to have the truth of the word of God, and you have to know that truth intimately. That's the truth that sets you free, right? We have to speak out the truth. So when the lie comes, we have to open up our mouth and say, no, that's not what the word says. No, I do not have a spirit of fear that makes me timid. No, I don't have a spirit of fear. I have bravery, right? I have power and love and sound mind. I have power, not fear. I have power, not fear. So I read the word and I'm like, I, and so when I start to feel afraid, no. And I do the opposite of what I feel. I don't go by my feelings. I don't go by my thoughts. I say, no, I'm not thinking that. No, I'm going to do it. You know, when I was afraid, I told you I was afraid to sing in front of people, right? I would get like, so like, I wanted to throw up. Like literally, like I, I joined the praise and worship team in Bible school because God told me to, but I was like, like, Ugh, like it was like I did not want to ask for the application to join the praise and worship team. Like I was like, no. And so I remember we'd have these big conferences and there'd be like thousand, you know, 1,500 people there. And these big conferences are all day, every, you know, they're every, every night. And I remember waking up one day, it was a morning session, and I just felt sick. Like I just wanted to throw up and I just was like intimidated. Like the spirit just came on me, that old spirit. Like, oh, you, nobody wants, your voice is terrible. You, you sound terrible. Why would you want to sing? You know, that voice, those, those thoughts, right, come in your mind. And so I'm like, so instead of listening to them, I'm like, no. And I, I marched myself to church, right? And when I came, 
When it came time to come up, when they brought the praise and worship team up, I remember walking on the platform, stepping up the steps. And I remember as soon as I stepped on the steps, I like, I own this. It was like, I'm not, I didn't feel like being brave. I didn't feel like being strong. I didn't feel like it. I felt like being intimidated and, and staying home. But I'm like, nope. I, I'm like, I own this. I own this. And I walked out like I own the place. Not out of pride. I'm, Karen, I'm not, you know, don't hear that. I'm not in pride, but out of confidence knowing that it doesn't matter. I don't care. I, I don't care what they think about me. I'm just obeying God. Because I don't have that fear of man. Okay, this is for somebody today. Amen? We can't live in, in fear of what people think. We live in obedience. Right? He says, when you have obeyed, right? When you have obeyed, then you can take the lies of the enemy and bring it into obedience, right? So it says once you've obeyed, that's when you're able to take these things and put it into that disobedience into obedience to Christ. So we have to obey. We have to be more, have the word stronger in us than the thoughts around us, amen? So I want to see that it's not just me saying this and this is something that I do, and, but Jesus does it too, amen? And if Jesus has to do it, then we surely have to do it, right? <laughs> if Jesus has to speak out loud, then we need to speak out loud. No, 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 no more of this, okay, I'm just, just not going to deal with it. These thoughts keep coming to my mind, but I'll just pretend it's not there. And it grows stronger and stronger and stronger until it becomes a major belief system where you can't do anything except what that belief system is, amen? But Jesus is our example, and he says in Matthew 4, verse 1 through 11, it says, then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be what? Tempted by the devil. <laughs> How do you like that? <laughs> I still marvel at that, you know? <laughs> How would you like to be tempted, be led, the Holy Spirit, right? The Holy Spirit takes you to a wilderness place and says, okay, now... Okay, Satan, just tempt them. Let's see what's in them. Do they, do they have my word in them or are they going to listen to your lies, you know? So anyway, so Jesus is led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And after four, fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. Some of you fast 21 days, you know, double that, and you're going to be hungry. Like you thought you were hungry at 21 days, you're hungry at 40 days, amen? So then the tempter comes, right, when you're in your weakest place, when you're having the hardest time, when things are kind of being rough. The tempter comes, and what does he do? He says, if you are the son of God, tell these stones to become bread. But Jesus did what? He answered, it is written. He didn't think about it. He didn't just meditate it. Well, you know, I know the word says this, and his thoughts are like, he's just kind of, mm, well, I know God says. No, he spoke out, and he said, it is written. It is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him to the holy city and set him on the pinnacle of a temple. If you are the son of God, he said, throw yourself down, for it's written. He will command his angels concerning you, and they will lift you up in their hands so you will not strike your foot against a stone. So he's using the word of God. So the enemy will actually use scripture to bind you up. That's why you need to know what's the truth. You need to know what the spirit of God is saying. What is the true word? He's like, yes, that's true, but this, this overrides it, right? So Jesus replies. He doesn't sit down and, you know, think about it. He replies, it is also written, do not put the Lord your God to the test. And then again, he does it again. The devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and all their glory. And he says, I will give you all of this if you fall down and worship me. And immediately, Jesus said, oh, wow, I really want that. Should I do it? <laughs> he just started thinking about it like, oh, that's what God wants me. That's what the Father wants. He wants me to rule and, and have the keys to the kingdom. This is an easy way to do it. He's thinking about it. No, did he do that? No, let's read it. Let's read it. He says, so, so the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. All this I will give to you. He said, if you will fall down and worship me. And he immediately says, away from me, Satan. For it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. He, didn't, he wasn't quiet about it. He, he shouted, get away, get behind me, Satan. Even when Peter, 
right? What Peter comes and says, no, Lord, you know, we're, we're not going to let this happen. Da, da, da. And he says, get behind me, Satan. What is he doing? This is the thoughts and the opinions of the people around him, of his disciples that love him. And they're saying something contrary to the word of God. And Jesus rises up and he says, get behind me, Satan, for you do not have the kingdom in mind. He didn't just let him get away with it. He doesn't let the thoughts and the attitudes and the, 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 the opinions of people to affect what he's doing and, and, and obeying God. He rose up. When I, when I was driving down 152 and I heard a, this, a spirit tell me, I can take you and this car off in one fell swoop. And I immediately, did I sit about, oh shoot, oh my God, yeah, the devil wants to kill me. What am I going to do? I don't want to drive again. I'm never going to drive this way. I'm going to go all the way around going down the 129. No, I didn't do that. Immediately, it rose up and I said, no, you won't. I shall live and not die. How dare you? And I started going, I went after him. Oh, I, I didn't go, oh, oh gosh. No, I, something rose inside of me. The truth of the word of God. I knew his plans for me. His plans aren't to take me out. I love Pastor Robert. You fly on a plane. He's like, it doesn't matter if there's like a storm or lightning. I mean, we were flying one time and there's like lightning and it's going side. And like, it was pretty scary. The plane's like, you know, and it drops in and you're like, oh gosh. And he's like, yeah, it doesn't matter. I know God has, the, he has I know what God wants me to do and it hasn't come yet. So we're all safe. <laughs> What is that? He has the word of the Lord inside of him. He, the word is alive inside of him. He knows what God is planning. So what is my point in all this? You have to open your mouth. You have to declare the truth. Amen? Hallelujah. I hope you're getting something from this today. Because this is, this is what will help keep you free, right? If you use this and you put it into practice, it will actually help you. I do it. I, I, I don't like, I, I've, I've done it in the past and I do it still, right? I don't allow those things. Amen? Because we are to take every thought captive. Jesus needs to be Lord of our thought life. So we can demolish. When we open up our mouth, we're demolishing the strongholds of the enemy. We're cutting off that, that neural pathway and we're building the right one of the truth of the word of God. Amen? I love this in James 1, 20 through 25. It says, submit to God and accept the word that he plants in your hearts. That is so powerful. Because why? It's able to save you. Submit to God. We submit to God, right? And we accept, we take hold the word of God into our heart that saves us. It's planted in our heart. That's what, when you have the word planted in your heart, that's what will save you when the enemy comes to bring a lie or bring destruction. You'll be able to rise up from the inside and declare the word that he's planted in you. Verse 22, do not deceive yourselves by just listening to his word. Instead, put it into practice. If you listen to the word but do not put it into practice, you are like people who look in the mirror. They see themselves as they are, but then... <clears throat> But then they and they take a good look at themselves and then they go away and at once, as soon as they go away, they forget what they look like. Right? Isn't that how we do it? God shows, we're like in the prayer closet, right? And the door is shut behind us, right? We're in the secret place. We're having an encounter with God and he's speaking to us and he's showing us and we're looking in that mirror in his glory and so that we can be more like him. We're being transformed, all this stuff and we're, we're like that and then we leave and then we don't put that word that he gave us into practice. And then the enemy starts telling other things, lies about who we are. And so we immediately forget what God was just showing us in the prayer closet, right? We forget and we start to believe those lies. We can't do that. We have to take what did he give us? What has he spoken to us? What does the word say? And we fight with that. Amen? So it says, I'm going to read that again. 
If you listen to the word and do not put it into practice, you are like people who look in the mirror and see themselves as they are. They take a good look at themselves and then go away at once, forget what they look like. But if you look closely into the perfect law, which is the word, right? The perfect law is the word of God. We look into the perfect law that sets people free. And keep on. Everybody say keep on. Keep on. Okay, that means we're continuing to do it. Keep on paying attention to it. To what? To the word. And do not simply listen and then forget it. But we put it into practice. You will be blessed by God in what you do. What does that mean? You're going to have a successful Christian life. You are going to live free. We take the word that God has. We put it into practice. So when things come, we're like, no, this is what the word says. When, when the enemy wants us to do one thing, he's like, no, I'm going to do this because this is what God's telling me to do. Right? We obey the word of God. Amen. So let's finish with this. So make Jesus Lord of every area of your life. How do we do this? Right? The obvious. Go and don't sin. Okay? <laughs> Keep pure holy life. Don't sin. Don't allow the enemy to tempt you. He's a tempter. Why does he tempt you? Because he wants to trap you. Right? Don't sin. Go and sin no more. Right? That's the no-brainer. Submit to God and resist the devil. Right? We know that. Submit to God and he will flee from uh, Submit to God and resist the devil. He will flee from you. So we have to be a submitter to God's word, to his plan. Then be a doer of the word. What does it mean? In this context, what we've been talking about is when the lies come, when the thoughts come, when the belief systems come, that we actually open up our mouth and fight and we use the word of God, right? Take every thought captive and bring it to submission. And we confess the word. So we take the thoughts captive and then we confess the truth. Take the thoughts captive and that, that prevents a stronghold from being established. Now, if you already have a stronghold, you need to break that down. You say, okay, God, I repent. I am sorry that I believe this lie. I break that lie off of my life. And then you begin to take the truth of the word and you begin to confess it, right? Because he's the high priest of our confession. So you begin to confess what is God saying about my life, right? If I was rejected, I'm like, oh, I thank you, Jesus, right? If I, if I got free from rejection or if I've always feeling rejected by people, then I, I go to the word of God. What does the word of God say about me? says, I'm his beloved. I'm the apple of his eye. That he knew me before the foundation of the earth. He knew me. And he made all my days and established every day. He wrote them down. He logged down. This is what she's going to do here. This is what she's going to do this year. This is what she's going to do next year. He had a plan for every single day. So if the enemy tells you, well, you are a mistake. Or your life doesn't matter. No, 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 no. The word says that he knew me before the foundation of the earth, that he knew me. And he, he said, I am fearfully and wonderfully made. And then he said, every day is important. It's so important, I'm gonna write it down. Every day of your life is important. He wrote it down. He says, higher and greater my thoughts are towards you, that my love towards you. They're so great, they number more than the numbers of the sands on the sea or the stars in the sky, how great are my thoughts towards you? When you feel like you're worthless, like, no, I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. I'm made in his image. I'm made in the image of the king. I'm the king's daughter. I look like him. When I come into his presence, I'm looking like him. Right? So when the enemy says, oh, you're no good, you always, you're, you always mess up. Nope. It's not about me. It's about him, and I'm always obedient. Right? If I can't do it in the natural, good thing. God's going to come and do it in the supernatural. Amen? What are we confessing? What are we believing? We have to believe what God says and quit entertaining the lies of the enemy. Quit entertaining the thought life. Quit entertaining the things that the enemy has established since the time you were a child. And begin to dismantle it so that we're not trapped by the schemes of the enemy to bind us up, to prevent us from obeying the word of God. Amen. And it's easy. It just takes to open your mouth. And as soon as you do, it breaks it, right? Because they're mighty in God. For what? Demolishing the strongholds. So when you catch it, you catch the thoughts, you catch the process, you catch the ungodly belief that does not line up with the word, and you begin to speak and declare the truth out, then guess what? That stronghold is blown up. Right? It's blown up. Amen? Hallelujah. I want you all to stand to your feet. I'm just going to pray over you. You know, we can lay hands on you and do all these things, but you know what? 
It takes you just going and doing it. I don't care if you're in your car, you're in the bathroom. I don't care if you're walking your dog. If something comes, you just, you don't, don't be afraid of what people think. Just say, no. <laughs> no. And they'll look at you like, what? <laughs> oh, nothing. I'm a child of God. You know, hallelujah. Right? We have power, love, and a sound mind. I love the sound mind part. If you have your mind, if your thoughts are always going, uh, we have soundness of mind. What does that mean? I have focus on Christ. I can silence the enemy. And one of the things that silences the enemy is a garment of praise. Right? If you don't know what to do, I can, have, I can give you lots of testimonies about this, but you don't know what to do and you just begin declaring the goodness of God and praising Him, guess what? The enemy hates it and he leaves. Right? It's like a whipping post on the enemy when you begin to praise God. Why do we do high praise here? Why are we like, breakthrough? Yeah, and we're like, yeah, and we're dancing in my dance, you know? We're I got breakthrough. Why are we seeing, we're, and, I, and I'm a very strict person. I like, I like songs that are scriptural. If they're not, I, won't, I don't like singing them. I've been known to change lyrics of people's songs. Um, we can't really do that so much as we're live stream. But I do, because I'm like, that is so unscriptural. Like, no, I'm not singing that. Because when we're praising, we're actually declaring things in the atmosphere. When we begin to lift up Jesus and begin to praise Him, guess what? It says uh, He inhabits the praises of His people. That means His presence is there. And what is His presence? It says His anointing or His presence breaks every yoke of bondage. I'm going I'm to leave you with, sorry, I can keep going all day long. But... There was a time, I'm just gonna use this as an example because this will help you. There was a time I was planning to do my first mission trip. I just had my first encounter with God. Like he like wrecked, like I literally in the car, I think I told this yesterday at the internship. I was like driving down I-5, you know, going home from the beach because I like the beach. And so I'm driving there and I'm listening to this song and it talks about how I wanna fall in love with you. And it's describing like this girl running into the arms of the father and I just want to fall in love with you. And my, I, all of a sudden my heart just opened and I'm like, I want to, and my heart cry was, I want to fall in love with you, Jesus. And I started singing and my, I just started weeping. My, I, I'm like, I have tears streaming down. I'm driving on, you know, in I-5, you know, in LA. And uh, just streaming, streaming, streaming down. And I had that encounter with God. I want to fall in love with you. Right, so I, so this was all new for me. So I was recently saved. I'm working at a job in uh, in Newport Beach, and uh, I was getting ready for my first mission trip because I'm like, I just want to serve God. I don't care. So I'm gonna go on this mission trip. I didn't even know who I was going with. I just signed up, you know. And I'm going on this mission trip, and but all, everything started falling apart. Like all the plans started getting messed up. I, like everybody kind of turned against me, and it was all this stress. And I was like, what am I gonna do? I leave my job. I was like, I had a career at the time, you know. So I, you know making pretty good money and I could lose my job if I leave, you know, so I'm like, all these things happening and I'm walking on to the, into the, um, the ICU and there was a nurse that was outside the door. She's just sitting there and I walk in and she's like, hey, how's it going? And you know, and I'm like this, I can feel the oppression, just the bondage. Obviously I hadn't gone through freedom of Christ yet, feeling the bondage and, and she asked me like, how's it going? And I started talking about the mission trip. And then I started talking about God and how great it is and what we're gonna do there. And I started declaring how great, and I'm just taught a conversation. And literally I felt like this thing left me. Like, so all that oppression, all the despair, all the discouragement was gone. Why? Because I actually, in my mouth, I began to declare the goodness of God. So it's not just confessing the word, but it's, it's praising him. So I thank you, God, that I have a sound mind. I thank you, God, that you did not give me a spirit of fear. I thank you, God, that I have faith that moves the mountains. I thank you, God, that on the apple of your eye, you begin to declare and praise him for how great he is. Amen? Amen. Because praise breaks the back of the enemy. It binds up. It's silent. What does it say? It's that it silences him. It silences his voice that gives you the thoughts. Right? So when we praise and we start declaring God's goodness, all the voices shut up. And then we can have focus on Jesus, amen? Focus on what God has, amen? So let's just lift up our hands to heaven. Father, we thank you, Lord. I thank you for each and every one that's here, Lord God. And I break the power.
power of the enemy over their lives. I break every lie over the of the enemy that's over them. I break every word curse that has been spoken against them, every ungodly belief. I dismantle it in the name of Jesus. And Father, I thank you for your divine protection over their mind, over their heart, over their soul, Lord God, that you will show them. And I thank you that each and every one, that the word of the Lord will rise up inside of them, that they will see and they will recognize the plans and the schemes of the enemy, and they will act upon the word of God that is inside them and open their mouth and begin to declare your goodness. So, Father, I thank you for them, and I bless them in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. 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 Hallelujah. So, I'm challenging you, whenever a thought comes, make sure you open up your mouth. Amen. If you feel discouraged, begin to praise the Lord. Amen. I love you. Be blessed. You are dismissed. You've been listening to the Freedom House podcast. We hope you enjoyed it. If you would like more information about our house, please visit our website, FHUS.org. Thanks again for tuning in, and please consider sharing this podcast with your friends and family. See you next time.